Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Untucked. This is actually going to be our last episode of 2020. Um, um, on this episode, we're going to talk about financial bullshit and uh, consumers' abilities to pick up on it and, and kind of sort through it. Um, we're discussing athletes, uh, sibling athletes in particular, and why or how um, more often than not the younger sibling tends to be the better athlete. And then finally, um, we wrap up with happiness and the happiness curve. Thanks to all of you guys for listening this year. Um, We've had a lot of fun doing this, and we appreciate your continued support. Uh, We hope you have a great holiday season, and we'll look forward to getting back uh, to you in January of 2021. Happy holidays. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 43 of Untucked. This is Megan. And Mike. And this is Jeff. Do you guys know that apple pies originally came from Asia? First pies were baked in uh, medieval Europe. Even the concept of putting apples in a pie traces back to a recipe from England in 1381. So... There's nothing that's as American as apple pie. Huh? <laughs> like, apple pies are not American. So, so like, you mean like there's nothing less, less American, American than, than apple sure, pie? Sure, sure. That should be the new saying. Yeah. It's as American as... It's as un-American as apple pie. It's as un-American as apple pie is what it should say. Okay. How do you guys feel about apple pie? Not a fan. I like it. I do mean, you really? I don't. I don't have like it pies there. generally. When you say pie, like a pumpkin pie, don't like pumpkin pie. Like a um um, at like a banana cream. No. Like even like the chocolate pudding that has the graham cracker crust. Yeah, I think you can have your pie. Apple pie is the only pie that I kind of would say that I kind of like. Everything else, you can have it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's like the lowest tier of dessert in my ranking of desserts. Okay, so any pie that has like that filler, that like apple pie or like a blueberry pie or a cherry pie that has that like gooey filler, yeah. I'm out on. Okay. But the th- like the pudding pie with like the graham cracker crust or the banana cream or the pumpkin i'm all in mm. like even those tasty cake like pies i've never even had one they look so gross to me because it, it's all that oh like, yeah, filler. yeah yeah my dad loves a tasty <laughs> cake cherry pie yeah. loves them i will say pie crust i can get down with yeah like i could probably eat that plain that's would the best eat that part plain. of the pie is the crust but all of anything i, I mean I'd go cake over pie. I'd go cookie over pie. I'd go brownie over pie. I'd go pretty much any baked good over pie. Cupcakes. Yeah, I'm with you. So, um, but back to the fun fact. (laughs) 
why do you think, Jeff, why do you think America gets credit for the apple pie? Because Americans steal credit for Is everything. Is that like George Washington and the cherry tree? Yeah, like just I, don't, a I don't know. I didn't do that that much digging into it to find out like where the phrase American as apple pie first came from and like why. It, it shows that it like it turned up in like 1924 and became a common saying during like the years of the Second World War, but they weren't more specific as what asshole decided to like name pumpkin pie as American. I don't know. I think we should stop saying. I think it's a stupid saying anyway. Okay. I think I can definitively say I've never used that phrase. Yeah, uh, me too. I don't think so either. All right. Well, <laughs> we're supporting the cause. Uh, Philly sports. Philly sports. Where should I begin? Coming Jeez. off a of bird's win, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles beat the then 10 and 2, now 10 and 3. Yeah. Exactly. New Orleans Saints, Sons, their quarterback, but we'll leave that one out. Go ahead, Jeff. The floor is yours. No, Mike, did you even watch the game? I did. I actually did. So you guys haven't really watched a full Eagles game all season, and both of you watched the Birds on Sunday. I'm curious why. It just fit into my schedule. I was there. I knew they were playing at 4.30. I put it on, and I watched. Um. You know, I felt like, what's his name? Taysom Hill? Yeah. Sucked. So I, thought, I think that's really why this, the Eagles... I, I think it was more the Saints were bad than the, in the game than, than the Eagles and Hurts were really good. That, that's my takeaway. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you come out and you play poorly. The Saints did that. I wasn't impressed with the Saints. And I've watched zero football this year. I had no idea they were 10 and 2. And I don't think it clicked. Like obviously they have it on the screen under their their team when they're keeping score. But I was just like I thought like how is this team 10 and 2? I was so unimpressed with them. I mean Drew Brees is why. Now, how he, many weeks has he been I out though? I think it's though? 8 weeks or something. Has he been they, out for 8? They were talking about it on every I other think down. He's out for eight. He hasn't been out. I eight. think he's been out for like two or three. Guys. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Because yeah. I got that guy on my. T- yeah, you're right. Yeah, I so think I think this that, was maybe their third, maybe fourth game. That's out. why they're ten and two because they work really well. Like this kid Taysom Hill is good when he comes in and he and he's a running back or he's a tight end. I mean, he's so interchangeable or he's a quarterback. He's not a. I don't think he's an, a, a solid NFL quarterback, but he's an awesome weapon and that and I, dude, I don't know why. They didn't just give the ball to Aaron, Alvin Kamara like every time they hike because yeah. he's a stud. Um, I, I, I think you're being a little hard on the Eagles. I think their defense played pretty well, well enough to win a game. Um, I think Taysom Hill stinks. Like he had a couple throws that just. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like so he that... could have, and he just missed guys. Um, that could have been difference makers. So was that like awesome Eagles defense or was it a bad quarterback? I think, and it's bad a, play call. I think it's a combo of both. I thought they, I, I thought it was just that they, they looked like it, it's a pretty boring and unimpressive game to watch, um, especially because it doesn't mean anything. You thought it was a boring game to watch? Yeah. Jalen Hurts ran all over the place, man. All over the place? Whoa. Everybody, like... I don't think you watched the game. I, I think did. you're lying. He wasn't that... Aw- like, there wasn't this, like, oh, my God, <laughs> see you later, Carson Wentz. This is our guy. 
No, he was okay. I, I don't mean he ran all over the place like he played so well. I mean he was literally running, running for his life all <laughs> over the place, which okay. was fun to watch because he's fast, and that's the only way this offense is going to do anything because their offensive line sucks is if they have a quarterback that can run, and Carson obviously can't do that anymore. I don't know, dude. I'm like completely confused by this team. I don't know yeah. if we should let Carson go, if we should let Doug go. I have no idea why guys all of a sudden look like they're open, why they're, they can run the ball. I mean, I just I, – I don't understand. They're not fun to watch. Like, you know, like, I think they picked off a pass and somebody you – know, they said, okay, that's their fourth of the season or whatever it was, and they are last in the league. So even defensively, they, they don't make big plays usually. Offensively, they suck to watch because they're boring. The receivers blow. And, I mean, they got some talented players – Kind of, but I, I just don't find them interesting to watch as a team. Yeah, as a casual fan, which is what I would describe myself in particular this season, this was the worst outcome that like could have presented itself because now I'm like, like slightly more interested, but more importantly, everybody else now thinks there's like there's potential and there's opportunity. So now we're just gonna have to continue to talk about the mediocre birds for however many weeks and we can't just be done with them and put them in the rear view, which is what I was hoping for because I'm over the quarterback controversy. I'm over fire everybody. It's just exhausting. And I say that as a Sixers fan and I know, I know, I know. (laughs) How can you say that about the Eagles when it's the same situation with the Sixers? (laughs) Because I, I like the Sixers, I guess. I don't know. And like we've talked about, there's more Sixers games. So the like getting over it happens quicker. You have this whole week between every Spurs game where, you know, we come off or they come off of a loss and then we're just constantly picking them apart. Then they play, I'm not going to say well, but they get a win. And then here we go again. It's just... It's this cycle that's like not fun as a fan for me. Does anyone – we talked about this before. Jeff, you brought it up, I think. But and I know every single team deals with a turnstile of injuries. But it really – and maybe it's just because we're – it's Philly and we're sort of there and it seems – it just seems like this team gets injured more than anyone else. I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I think when you look at the offense, when you look at the defense – I I swear to you, and I can't believe I'm admitting, th- admitting this, I'm watching the game and uh, McLeod is down and Slay is down, and I said to my, the room of people I was with, they need to fire the strength and conditioning coach. That is such a Philly thing. Like, yeah, yeah. how are all of these athletes not prepared? I mean, I know, I know McLeod was an ACL tear. Yeah. Which that's hard to like. I mean, that's not strength and conditioning. It's just that's a freak accident. But like, how are all these players hurt? Is it because they don't have contact in practice, and then they go out, and then like their bodies don't know what the hell to do? Because <laughs> I mean, I just I find it really strange that they're all so injured. And I find I, just, I, I dude, I'm so I'm so over this team from the standpoint of I'm just so tired of the drama. Like I'm so tired of. So you're with me. Well, you I just I, I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't like that we can't figure out what the hell's wrong with the team. Like 
I, I watched the game like, are they playing this way because with Jalen Hurts in there, the offense is like, all right, we got to step up because Carson isn't in. And this is a rookie. And are they and were they just kind of like back on their heels when Carson was in? Because all right, like Carson will take us to the promised land and we don't have to try as hard. Like there's so many what ifs in my mind about the team that I'm yeah. just it drives me nuts. Yeah. Whereas with I feel like the Saints, it's like, okay, they suck because their man isn't there. Breeze isn't playing. But they still have like Kamara and uh Michael who's the receiver? Uh Michael oh, is Thomas. He back? Yeah, he played. He played. Um, you know, I just it, it it drives me crazy that we can like. There's no like thing that you could just look at and say that's why they're not doing so well. I'm tired of that. But I think that's that's kind of the point in that there's so many things that it could potentially be. What's wrong with them is they're just bad. Yeah. And this win, good for Jalen Hurts, sure. You know, maybe good for like the team to get through the next couple of weeks. But as a fan, sucks. Because it's not going to change. I don't think it changes anything. Who do they play this weekend? The Cardinals. They're. I mean, I'm I'm going 100 to 4. Like, it's going to be ugly. I think the momentum is going to wear off very quickly. I think Kyler Murray is an even better Jalen Hurts with a better team. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And I think it's just... And for me, selfishly, I, maybe that's what I'm rooting for at this point. <laughs> the the over-under is 50 points. The Eagles are getting six and a half. If you're, um, you know, the, the quarterbacks in the NFL now, like this has been a trend for a long time, but like the guy who just sits back in the pocket and is not that mobile and isn't really a threat, it, you know, you have to have like really great receivers, really great play calling to pull that off because the defense will just come at you knowing that you're not going to like bounce out and run for 22 yards every time. So these mobile quarterbacks who are just insane athletes who can run with the ball just as well as they can throw and, and move are like so multidimensional. The defense has to change everything when you're playing against that kind of a quarterback as opposed to the guy like Carson who sits back there. And if he does not have the weapons, then you get what you get, which mm -hmm. is this year, this year. I think like that's a that's like an organizational issue as to how do we want to build our team around who our guy is. Yeah, you know, you either have to be a stud pocket passer mm -hmm. or you have to be a Russell Wilson. A dynamic. I actually yeah. did say like a couple times in watching Sunday's game, he reminded me of Jalen Hurts. Reminded me of Russell Wilson, like even in his stature, like his sure. size yeah. and like way the, moves. Yeah, and. My dad looked at me and he was like, I mean, we would love that, but like pump the brakes is basically what he yeah, said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's going to be that guy. Yeah. Um, I think it's completely TBD and I'm fine to like let, let that be our project now. It's just let's – because he's the starter. Oh, you are. You're fine with that now. Well, I mean, like what, like, what are you going to do? He can't like – He what? wasn't bad enough to sit him down. Right. So yeah, I hear. I, like, hear I think his second half, he like did nothing. He he wasn't very good in the second half, and that's just indicative of like you got a shitty team. Yeah, he's going to run around and create a few plays, but in the end, he he's not going to be very good because he's on a shitty team. But so, but if you play him out for the next three game, what is it, three games left or something, and he plays each of those games, but really mediocre and doesn't 
excite anyone, then you're really left with a yeah. dilemma. Because yeah, yeah. you've given them four or five games. I mean. Not a lot to, to play. It's not like, a no-brainer. Not, a lot to, lose, not yeah. a lot to play for. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah you're going to go into the next season with? A quarterback it's, contract. Yeah, it's, a, it's an open it's an open trial, you know. Carson can, has a has a right to earn his spot, or if he doesn't look good, then it's it's hurts. I'm muting Philadelphia Eagles, Birds, Eagles, Carson, Jalen. I'm muting all of them on Twitter. Just gonna take myself out yeah. of it. I have no interest in talking about it anymore. Even though we'll do this again in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's it's interesting how the only way you're gonna win a Super Bowl is if you have the dynamic running quarterback that can also pass. Because I think if you can just run, you're not going to win. Right? Baltimore didn't work. Lamar lost. Mm-hmm. Because Mahomes can run, and he can throw the mm-hmm. ball. Mm-hmm. Um, like a guy like a like a Joe Flacco, like a pocket passer, they, they're, they're not going to win anymore. Yeah, Defenses are Defense too big are too and too good. fast. Yeah, yeah, they're too good. Yeah. You have to either be a stud like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady who can throw the ball really well and understands defense – and I just I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the Russell Wilson. Right, right. If he is, great. Let's take him. And and Carson, you're a backup. If he's not, we better figure out how to get Carson right and get back to the 2017 Carson, or it's going to be a long decade with the Eagles, dude. I'm telling you. Uh, well, the Sixers had a preseason game last God, night. God, they looked great last night, huh? Um, I didn't watch a second of it. I, I was gonna say you you give me shit for watching preseason Flyers games, and if you watch the preseason Sixers no, game, I'm, I don't okay. watch any preseason games. <laughs> okay, I am just in desperate need of a sport that I enjoy watching. A team that, for better or for worse, I somehow continue to like watch. Um, they played the Celtics, and I said this to Jeff this morning for like the first maybe ten possessions. It was so reminiscent of Sixers bubble basketball. And I almost turned off the TV after like 10 minutes of play. Because I was like, this is horrible. Nothing has changed. They're running the same stupid offenses. Ben is just running down the floor with no one to pass to. And then there was a point where Joe got a steal, took it like coast to coast. And I was like, all right, I'll just like continue to watch. And then... (laughs) They did like him and Seth Curry did a dribble handoff. Seth hit a jumper. I was like, I'm in. I was <laughs> so in on this team. Did Danny Green get APT? He did. He started. Did he? Yeah. So the five, it was Ben, Seth, Danny Green, Tobias, and Joe. How'd Tobias look? Horrible. Oh. He is so bad at basketball. He's going to get all of the, the Al Horford hate that we gave to Al Horford last year. It's all going to be on Tobias. Um, their second group came in and looked decent. Um, the draft pick, Tyrese Maxey, was awesome. Yeah, like, that's good. Yeah, he looked really, really good. And Playing against the second string guys. Of Boston, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I would argue that's where Boston, like, beats people. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun to watch basketball again. They have one more preseason game, and then they play the – I think they open with the Washington Wizards. Wizards, yeah. Um, like Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve. So the season has started. Not yet. 
I'll check in for the first game. They're probably going to look like shit, and I'll probably say, like, I'm out. And then I'll check in, like, midseason if they're any good. I'm going to say right now, and I will go back on this in one week, I promise, Eastern Conference Finals. Really? Mm -hmm. With one preseason game, (laughs) Eastern Conference Finals. Eastern Conference Finals against the New Jersey Nets. Okay. All right. You heard it here first. (laughs) They still need another piece. (laughs) Coach's Corner. Yeah. Supercharging your financial bullshit detector. This article was written by Jacob Schroeder from incognitomoneyscribe.com. Probably the most obscure website we've used. 90% of financial investing advice is bullshit. A financial services specific version of Surgeon's Law, which says 90% of everything is crap. Jacob points out the high amount of bullshit in this industry while urging consumers to enhance their ability to distinguish between the good and the bad. Were you guys familiar with Sturgeon's Law? No. No, no, I wasn't. I mean, after reading this article, I'm a huge believer in it. You're a Sturgeon guy? Uh, absolutely. I th- yeah, I it mean... Was Sturgeonite. It, it makes me feel, like, very pessimistic in saying that I agree with it. Yeah, so it's interesting. So I think um, this this is all like to me perfectly resonates perfectly because like some of the examples are good ones. Like there's two million books published every year. Yeah, obviously, right. way more than ninety percent of them are crap. Right, and and not worth the paper they're printed on. I thought that was a great example. How many books have you picked up and like you got it like a quarter of the way through it and you're like, Ugh, and then you just muscle through it hoping it's going to be good. You get to the last page, you're like, that was awful. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really more about like just saying no to most things because it's a recognition of the 90-plus percent rule. Um, Financial advice, obviously, which is what we're talking about, is no exception. Um, And Meg, to your point, I think it's different than being pessimistic. I just think it's being skeptical more than pessimistic. You can be – you don't have to be a pessimistic person to be – like, you know, a, a proponent of the Sturgeon's law, right? Like, so, which is to recognize that 90% of the stuff someone's trying to sell to you in any form is bullshit and it's not worth it. And then you should be saying no almost all the time. We, I mean, we've talked before about financial scams and people who get taken and people who, who fall for the too good to be true stuff. And this is related to that. It's, it's, um, it's just, not being gullible into thinking that yeah. most of the stuff is not worthless or, or too good to be true or bullshit and or it's just marketing or it's some something else that is not really valuable to you the consumer and that's resonates with me because I, I believe that 100 percent I always have and you know there are people that we know who can be sold anything mm-hmm. anything yeah and and I feel like that's a huge character flaw because it's gonna you know it's gonna end up you know, hurting you or damaging you or, or costing you or whatever, or, or at a, at a minimum, just wasting a lot of your time. Yeah. Mike and I are like huge skeptics, so it's yeah. not surprising that we feel similar on this, but I looked at this a, a, a couple different ways. I really liked the way, um, he, he mm-hmm. laid out the financial marketing side of things like any commercial with a mid tier celebrity mm-hmm. or piece of direct mail or YouTube video proclaiming high returns or instant debt relief. It's all like you think about that stuff like, yeah, there's a ton of that. Yeah. That's all bullshit. 
But then I also like started thinking about, yeah, but then there's like Susie Orman or, or somebody else who's actually giving financial advice, but it's bullshit because 90% of what she says doesn't apply to you. So even though it might be good financial advice, it doesn't apply to you. So there's this whole other amount of information that you can receive that, again, it, it doesn't apply, which I would throw into the bullshit category. And I started thinking about like two topics that I really just avoid. Politics, I avoid. News, like I, I avoid the news. And every time I like engage in the news because Melissa has it on, I'm like, oh my God, like this is such a waste of time. Like it's bullshit information for me to consume. Anytime I engage in like politics, I'm like, oh my God, thank God I ignore these two outlets because it's a complete waste of time for me. So it, it, it absolutely resonated with me. And I think it's more, not just so much bullshit, but just creating a good filter for yourself, right? Filter out what you want and what you don't want. And I don't mean like opinionated wise, I mean just what you want to like consume. And if you can do a good job filtering, man, you just, you saved yourself time, which you, the, it's the best commodity. out. It's the largest commodity out there. You can't go get more of it. So, um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a really good article to like to, to, to read, reflect on and like, all right, how can I restructure my life so that, yeah, I'm not wasting time. Like what, uh, what did he say? Like watching like financial news, like it's such a waste, like, but so many people are doing that and like looking at the market, like how did it do today? Well, it's up most days. So why even bother looking? 93% of the days it's up. So why do you have to bother looking at it? But yet people waste so much time, like tuning in on what the market did today. Who gives a shit? Yeah. And it's, and I think he says in here too, like it's against, it goes against our hardwired brains who, who don't naturally typically have that reaction. Like, you know, the example might be financial newsletters that are, you know, trying to sell subscriptions to you know get the the weekly stock picks or whatever it is and we all know that that is 100% bullshit cuz if the person writing that letter actually had information that was valuable they wouldn't be selling it for 19.99 a month they'd be monetizing it a way yeah. different way um, but those people who buy into that stuff don't have that filter or can't connect the incentive of the person on the other side of the product. I mean, the whole weight loss industry is based right. on this, right? It's all bullshit. Yeah. Uh, okay, man. Well, no, I was, I, I think like it's, it's enhanced for people who are obviously seeking out. So that's where like you mentioned filters. And I think there's a line between how much of the stuff you want to know or want to absorb and like how, how, how much you live in that very specific space and like a very blurred line between that and then like that the confirmation bias we talk about all the time right and and there by only seeking out information that you want to your opinions experiences and thoughts become narrow and i think it's th so there's there's that and i agree with you i i do the same thing i i choose to like absorb information in a very specific way but when you get to that very narrow place i'll call it then like your bullshit meter is completely off, I would argue, because you're so absorbed by what you're, what you're, you know, like 
you're so absorbed by what you're absorbing that like how do you distinguish between what is not bullshit and what is legitimate and what is just part of this like cycle you've created i think you can narrow it down and then try to find fact and fiction right like so take a financial investing the whole argument of active versus passive right so you can filter out all the bullshit about mutual funds and this guy uh, outperforms and and you, you need to pay a high cost N- no i i don't like i should just find lower cost funds and then you can dig into our what is really the um, the advantage or alpha between active versus passive and really just focus there. And then you're going to come to the end, which is either one does well, just buy it and hold it for the long term and find a cheap one. And, eat. and so I think you can narrow it down and then kind of separate fact from fiction. I thought what he highlighted was just, it's so simple and it holds it's like time tested and holds true. And just, I don't realize, I don't understand why people can't just accept it. If someone is unable to express an idea in clear, simple language and can only regurgitate technical, what's that word? Rote? Mm-hmm. Definitions and statements out of context, then they are likely full of shit. Like it's, that's absolutely true. But yet we always, we want to believe that somebody that's using like big words and it's like confusing me, like, oh, that's got to be better. No, if it's, if it's big words and you're confused by it or they can't explain it or they seem a little off when you question them on it, they're bullshit. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. That's ego though. Yeah. (laughs) Not wanting to admit that the thing you don't understand is in fact just bullshit as opposed to oh that person i don't want to admit to that person knowing something i don't dude i've lived my life i've said this a million i say it a million times a year because i'm like i'm sorry please explain that to me as if i'm a six-year-old like what you're talking about it's above my head i get it don't explain it to me like i'm 43 like talk to me like a six-year-old people can't do like they're just not wired to do that well not wired to do what well like i know in our business i can sit there and explain shit to people and like use big words and i don't i intentionally don't do that because not everybody understands they don't live in it every day and you have to like for lack of a better term dumb down the conversation to to people but i i think that some uh, effective sales people who sell complexity whatever it is whether it's financial or something else intentionally use that tactic because they know through experience that it works, right? Yeah. I think I think that's how. I mean, we we've read books on people like this that like just go out and you you throw jargon left and right. And you're gonna get people to like yeah. give you a blank check. A lot of people will, mm-hmm. um, because they're they're hardwired to sort of think that there's a guru. Sort of think that there's a really really smart person who who well, it's over my head. I don't understand anything they're saying, but man, they sound smart. So yeah. here. I'll buy. I'll buy whatever it is you're selling. So, but it's also this. Also, the one other thing I'll say, it reminded me of like the conspiracy theorists, whether it's political or anything else. This is also that it speaks to that because you know when when people don't have the ability to to be skeptical and and the confirmation bias plays into that as well. You know, if you already sort of believe something's happening, that's totally crazy and it's not at all <laughs> right um it becomes really easy to just like believe it more and more and more and more no matter how ridiculous it is 
It's absolutely true. I don't know if this is like similar, but like when you're going to buy a house and you actually you spend a year and then you find the house, like you start losing your mind <laughs> that like I gotta get it because there's no other house. And like and like your 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 decision making becomes so irrational. Mm -hmm. That's like that's that's one area of my life where I've noticed like there was significantly irrational thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, like there's never gonna be enough like <laughs> And it's just not true. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. Why are great athletes more likely to be younger siblings? Tom Wigmore from 538.com. This article describes what's known as the little sibling effect, an effect demonstrated in a comprehensive analysis of 33 sports in Canada and Australia, revealing elite athletes are more likely to be later born children. Reasons such as playing up to competition, playing more in informal capacities, or the parents having learned experience in dealing with the pathways to success in a particular sport all can be attributed to the rather convincing statistics Tim cites. This was pretty cool. Like, I was very, this was very interesting to me. I'm glad I found it. <laughs> um, so I read the headline and I, as you know, I suggested the article before I even read it. And didn't need to read the article and i found the article a little too like you know it was the research was shows that like the younger brother of in in baseball played an average of uh you know 80 more professional games than the older brother like kind of like splitting hairs and stupid to me it's the eye test that the headline is why are great athletes more likely to be younger siblings we can just stop there and talk about it because i think we've all seen and and experienced this dynamic yeah which is that they either get beat up as they're growing mm -hmm. up and they have to become tougher. They have to learn to play whatever sport with and against older and older. better yep. um, siblings or, 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 you know, rivals. And as we all know, when you play any sport with people who are better than you, you get better very quickly. Yeah. Um, to me, that's, that's it. And I think, I mean, I can think of so many examples of like professionals that have, that have older brothers or, or sisters in, in the case of the, Williams tennis sisters that this is like absolutely true um, and even just like kids that I went to school with or I know that were the youngest of their crew were the best yeah. almost always they were the best they were yeah. better than their brothers in whatever sport it was so I don't know which is why I suck at sports because neither of my <laughs> older brothers played sports <laughs> oh so it's their fault yeah it's their fault <laughs> No, I think there's a lot of variables that go into that. Um, if you have a good relationship with that brother or sister, um, they're gonna put the older one is gonna push the younger one. The older one is gonna mentor the younger one. Like you have a built-in mentor, um, whereas the, the, they're gonna coach the younger one, and the older one doesn't have that luxury. Uh, in addition to being able to play a, a better competition, right? If you have a if you're a younger sister and your older sister plays basketball. Number one, you look up to your older sister. You want to play basketball because your older sister plays basketball. And because you do, hey, we got another body. So guess what? You're playing ball with your older sister's friends. So you're absolutely, your whole life, you're playing up to competition, which is the game changer when it comes to that. Yeah, you're when you're little fish, big pond, you have to do a lot more to succeed and survive than the, the reverse. So, I mean, it's... What's Eli Manning's excuse? excuse he's Where not is... he's not better than peyton 
He's younger, right? Yeah. He has more Super Bowls, doesn't he? Dude, come on. Is that uh, how you measure? I don't know. I Super mean, Bowls? It, Super it? Bowls got to count for something. And how come rings is the conversation <laughs> with Mike and LeBron, but now Super Bowls isn't, dude? You contradict yourself. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Actually, that's not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> I, I got to agree with Meg on this I one. think Michael Jordan has proved himself to not just be a champion. Open that can of worms. Yeah. It's just very I, Eli, Eli, <laughs> so, I mean, look, it's not like Eli Manning Sucked. ended his career in high school. Right. I mean, no, played, I understand he, that. He was but played he, a high level, and he's a really good Successful quarterback. quarterback. As, as much as some people think he sucks, he doesn't suck. Or you didn't suck. The worst birds, man. You Dude, know that, one right? one Super Bowl they won because somebody caught a ball on their helmet. That who threw it? Yeah, <laughs> who he threw did. it. Yeah, yeah. The other one, the defense won the Super Bowl for him. I mean, and now now you can argue Peyton Manning's did. last ring at Denver was all defense. He didn't. He, he sucked. I think. I mean, the the interesting the way I looked at it is absolutely like you play up. And you get that experience. But then I also think you fail a lot more. Yeah. Like when you're the older sibling um, or the quote unquote the first, right? There's a lot of things that are done to you and for you to help you achieve and not necessarily to help you learn from failing. Where I think as the younger sibling, you fail a lot more because you're you're playing up and because you're in environments where you're you're not the best and you learn how to deal with that type of adversity from a younger age so that when you conti- as you continue to get better and it continues to happen it doesn't derail the train where i think for people who don't experience failure and this is sports but then really like more generally i guess in life when they don't experience it and then it happens at a later age they don't know how to deal with it and it keeps them from continuing to grow and improve. So you're saying hungry dogs run fast? <laughs> I don't even know. We have to J- cut that. Jason Kelsey. Uh, Remember his like underdog like speech after the after the Super Bowl? Hey, Travis is Travis younger than Jason? I would I would guess he is yeah. and he's better. He's like, better. No doubt. Even though Jason Kelsey's really good at He's good. Does. He's good, but yeah, Travis is is a stud. Kind of a stud, yeah. yeah. And then I think the part in here that's maybe a little different than what we've discussed, especially for high-level professional athletes um, who go into like we'll call it the NFL or the NBA. And they come from family situations where there's not a lot of resources, not a lot of help. Like the younger sibling absolutely benefits from whatever stage has been set by the older sibling. And oftentimes that leads to like this almost catapult effect, right? That the older sibling got so far. And because the older sibling was able to do that, the younger one gets there that much faster and then just has, I'll call it like a bigger platform to make their the case for themselves. So I think when you think about like professional athletes specifically, that's a huge advantage to being second is not having to figure it out yourself the first time. And which is why second is usually the first child because mom or dad was a professional athlete and paved that way. I mean, that's why it it always blows me away at like how difficult it is to make it to the pro level and how many families make it. Like you have, 
Archie Manning, and then Peyton Manning made it. And then, like, it's crazy. It's so difficult for anyone to make it. Tiki and Rondé Barber, they both make it. Like, it's crazy to me. There are three Holiday Brothers in the NBA right now. I'm just, I'm just. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's that crazy, right? There's, there's, like, genetics is a legit thing. thing. I mean, Ken Griffey and then Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, it's not like Ken Griffey Jr. had some opportunity to play baseball that no other kid has. Right. He just hasn't like the, the Griffey genes. Yeah. You know? So I think there's a little bit of that. Too. Yeah. Sure. That's why I hope LeBron's kid doesn't make it. <laughs> just pure hate. Yeah. You're a hater. <laughs> you truly are. No. Bronny's going to make it. LeBron's going to sign his last year to the team that drafts Bronny and retire having had played with his son, so which is going to be super dope. It's so stupid. You're the worst. <laughs> Research shows people become increasingly unhappy until age 47.2. Here's how to minimize the negative effect of the happiness curve. This is from Jeff Hayden from Inc.com. Research conducted by Dartmouth professor David Blanche Flowers shows that people around the world experience an inverted U-shaped happiness curve. Starting at age 18, your happiness level begins to decrease, reaching peak unhappiness at 47.2 at which point happiness then, ten, then tends to gradually increase. I mean, I've never heard of this thing before. Really? Yeah, like n- never. Remember, I live under my little rock. I consume what I want to consume. Sure. Uh, and it's like, oh my God, they're describing my life. <laughs> like, it's crazy. No, I mean, like I was, as a kid, like pretty happy, pretty easygoing, like no stress. But then as life gets more complicated, it just creates more stress. I'm not an unhappy person, but I would I would equate it to like stress. Like stress and responsibility builds up. You have kids, that's a complete stress nightmare. And then you get to like your mid to late 40s, early 50s, and then like the kids are moving out. They're going to college. And yeah, there's still that stress, but I can see how when I get there, like things will calm down a little bit and then you start traveling more and spending more one-on-one time with your spouse and maybe watching your kids have grandkids and yeah, like happiness just kind of goes kind of through the roof from there. Uh, I never, I was really blown away by it because I never thought about it and it's like, that's pretty cool and it makes sense. Well, I guess, I mean, I'm apparently getting happier every week because I'm (laughs) more than 47.2 years old. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm on the way down yeah. the happiness scale. Yeah. You're coming back up. Jeff's like nearly at the I'm at, peak unhappiness. Yeah, yeah. I'm like super miserable right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing that's said in the article, and I kind of, I, I kind of made sense to me was it talked about as you get older, and I guess maybe into more your fifties. I, I don't know exactly where it is, but it was talking about how you, you, um, you have more, you have like more deep and focused friendships. Cause, and that's so true. Cause I remember like in our thirties, we had like huge networks of friends. Not that we don't anymore, but the time we spend with fewer friends, groups of friends is, is more, I would say more substantive. And it was and back then it was more just about like how many people we would have at our parties and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. And so, um, but yeah, Jeff, you're right. It has a lot, there's a lot of factors, the kids, the, um, the stress and, and what you're actually spending your days and weeks doing uh, for sure. But certainly a big generalization, this article, because lots of people like spiral out of control 
have midlife crises, sure. divorce, get divorced, mm-hmm. and then like you know they're not happy at all. But, but um, <laughs> or they're really happy. Or they're really happy. Yeah, yeah. But um, it did actually mention the old midlife crisis thing. Like it's kind of trying to explain why that is for yeah yeah for people. I thought it was interesting that the study concluded that like money, specifically money, education, and employment status are not really factors that are attributed to unhappiness. It's what they said in the article, at least expectations and comparisons. So I can, and that makes sense to me, like as a, right, as like an 18 year old, you think about the world and your life in these huge like almost out of this world ways. Like the the expectation for what your life is going to be is so unattainably high, I think, for a lot of people. I can do anything I want. Right, and I'm invincible, I'm and like no, nothing, can, <laughs> nothing can hurt me. No, and, and you get older, and you realize, holy shit, this place is a hellhole. And being just average <laughs> is fantastic. It is. You can live in this space where like, you know, you're not what your 18-year-old self was going to be, but you're you're still content. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. And then the comparison, which I think, and we've talked about a million times, is just heightened by our phone and, you know, social media and this platform where we now have access to a version of people's lives that oftentimes is way better than what it actually is. So we're just constantly comparing our hell existence (laughs) to what other people think or whatever other people like put out there as being like you know awesome and so much better so like intellectually it like makes so much sense to me i mean i i I guess i i think i kind of disagree a little bit from the standpoint of as you get older if you're employed you, you you get to your peak earning years that may help alleviate some stress level, which can then turn to happiness. And and we've talked about this before, though. I just think earnings is so relative because there are people who live very modest but happy lives on significantly less money. Sure. So I, I get what you're saying, and I think the stress element of it is – is kind of all-encompassing because it can be family stress, financial stress. Like uh, There's a lot of different types of stresses. But I just think disposition and like your approach to every day is what dictates how happy you are or are not. There are people who, genu- who like wake up every day and just are miserable. Yeah, I know a few. Right. And it's like, unreal to me. It, yeah, and I, and I think that's like, that's where this comes from too. It's like, this is not what I thought my everyday existence would be, but here I am. And can you imagine? Have you guys seen the movie Family Man with Nicolas Cage? I have. No. Yeah. So he- The blonde wife? Yeah, T. Leone. It's I just watched it recently, which is, I, this is like front of mind. So it's a Christmas movie, and he and his, Nicolas Cage and his wife- um, or and his we'll call it spouse whatever partner um, were like college sweethearts. He gets this job opportunity in London and leaves. But the plan when he leaves is for him to come back and them get married and like start their lives together. He leaves, never comes back. He's this the way they like perpetuate Wall Street. Like all of the <laughs> stereotypes is snarky, horrible. But he's this big. 
Wall Street guy. And he, it's kind of like your ghosts of Christmas past or whatever. He goes into this alternate like version of his life where he never went to London and he stayed home and married the girl and has this very quaint life in New Jersey. And for the first like 40 minutes of that, every day he's like, how do I get out of this? Like, how do I go back to this other version of my life? And it like, it kind of reminded me of this. People who think or hope or expect their life to be one way and then end up it being different and not dramatically different, just different. And it's miserable for them. Their existence yeah. is miserable. And it just seems so exhausting to <laughs> me to hate your life so much. Yeah, I mean, I tell my kids all the time, like, it's your choice. Like, you, you, in, in any situation, right? You, you wake up every day and you can make a choice whether you want to be happy or miserable, right? If you wake up and you're like surrounded by miserableness, poverty, whatever, you could choose to be poor and be happy or be poor and be mad and sad yeah uh if you know your best friend did some shit to you you can choose to like be miserable about it or you can choose to find some happiness somewhere else i mean it's your choice yeah good stuff on to our top five top five best fictional athletes who wants to go first do we think there's gonna be a lot of overlap in this mike doesn't i know i have a couple that you won't have and and i'll just you can look at this as like best athletes, like they're portrayed as like just dominating their, their sport or whatever. Okay. Or is that best how you fictional in- athlete characters, which is a whole nother thing. It's kind of where I went. Yeah. With I it. did a little of both. Okay. I think so, I did a little of both yeah. too. Yeah. You want to start Jeff? Sure. Um, number one, there's no order. Uh, tin cup, Kevin Costner in tin cup. Okay. Okay. Um, Billy Hoyle. That's uh, Woody Harrelson in White Men Can't Jump. Men okay. Can't jump. I thought about that. Uh, Ricky Vaughn. Charlie Sheen in Major League. Yeah. Pitcher. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Torrance Shipman. Oh, is she from Bring It On? She's from Bring It On. That is interesting. She wasn't even the best cheerleader on that squad, though. No. But she- <laughs> Bring It On. <laughs> That's a, yeah. That's Tor- a good one. I can't believe you got that. <laughs> and then uh, White Goodman. Dodgeball? dodgeball? Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Ben Stiller in Dodgeball. <laughs> the amount yeah, of Ben good. Stiller references. Yeah. I should tag him in our podcast. Yeah, so absolutely. All right. Um, no overlap there with anybody? No. No. Oh, good. All right. So I have Vince Howard. Are we like guessing? The- Vince Howard? Is that his name? That's his character. Character name? name? He's got to be a basketball player. Mm-mm. I don't know. Don't know. He is the quarterback in Friday Night Lights. Oh, I thought about that. Played by Michael B. Jordan. Later season Friday Uh, Night Lights, not Jason Street. You mean the series or was there a movie? I know there was a movie with. Oh, no, this is the the, series. So they did another series or it was just another season of it? A later season. The later seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that show for a while. Dottie, I don't know her last name, from A League of Their Own. Yeah. Gina mm-hmm. Davis, the yeah, catcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was great. I thought about that as well. Okay, so I don't know if this one counts. <laughs> Jesus Shuttleworth. No idea who you're talking about. So it's he got game, the it's but he's played by Ray Allen. 
So the character I have, is... I have a similar one that counts. That okay. counts, yeah. So yeah, the character is fictional, yeah. but he's played by an actual yes. NBA player. That's fine. You've never seen He Got Game? I haven't, no. I haven't Highly recommend. Denzel and Rayon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Ooh, good one. <laughs> That's a really good one. Shout out Sandlot. And then um, Icebox... <laughs> Icebox was from um, it's a it's a football movie, uh-huh. The Little Giants. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Icebox, good one. The, it's the chick. She's the oh, chick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, no overlap. Um, nice. Wow. Okay, no order, but I'll kind of go in a little bit of an order. I'll start with uh, I'll start with I'm struggling with this one, but I'm gonna go Roy Hobbs from the. Nash, You're so from, old, dude. You're so old. And and you know Kevin, I didn't no, want to no. pick a baseball player because the whole athlete thing, but. <laughs> But like in terms of you know him in that in that character in that movie, Robert Redford, about, yeah, yeah, he's like 104 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going Ivan Drago. Thought about that because what a machine! I don't care if he's pumped full of uh-huh. Russian steroids. Yeah. He was a machine. Yeah. Like he was, he would crush Apollo Creed. He would crush Creed, the new guy. I didn't put him on my I list. Know. I had him as an honorable mention. He but would I... crush all the guys that that were in the boxers in the rocky series so he was he was a stunt i thought you guys would give me shit if i included michael yeah. b Jordan Dude, twice. like yeah like every movie i'm going kenny powers oh good one <laughs> good mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. just you know no <laughs> explanation needed yep and then my final two so number two you guys have never seen this movie i'm sure it's just because it's too old but meg it's Julius Irving, Irving playing Moses Guthrie in The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Wow. That wow. Is like circa late 70s, yeah. early 80s maybe. Um, right. Basketball movie. Yeah. Really corny, but <laughs> Dr. J was just like dominating okay. all the games. All right. Awesome. I like it. And then number one is um, the character is named Sid Finch. So in the mid-80s, Sports Illustrated – you know, it was kind of a big thing. It's pre-internet, obviously. George Plimpton, who was a writer for an, on April Fools, wrote a wrote an article about this phenom that the Mets had in their farm system named Sid Finch. He was like some some like guru from Tibet. He was six four and could throw a hundred and sixty two mile an hour fastball. <laughs> and so it appears in, in Sports Illustrated. It's a total joke, total hoax. And the Mets fans were going ballistic. <laughs> no and way. There's a lot of people in on it. And then it took like a couple of weeks before it, like they came out and said, we were just kidding. We made it up. <laughs> That's funny. That's a great like practical yes. joke. What yes. was the name of the movie? Not a movie, an article. Just, oh, a, just a, an article. A, a magazine article. Yeah. That's all right. That's a good poll. So <laughs> that's my top five. Because I was yeah, focused like, on like movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a question. Would mm-hmm. Lincoln Hawk have been accepted? That was uh, Sylvester Stallone and Over the Top. The arm wrestling movie? Well, if you're going to use dodgeball, then yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to me that you didn't necessarily choose the best players of those squads. No, True. I did not. I did not. Just, just my favorite. They were like more like my favorite yeah. characters. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, we could have kept going down like the Happy Gilmore road yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Until next time. Thanks well, that's probably it for this year. Yeah. So Happy holidays. See you in 2021. <laughs> see ya.